0: You know what is weirder is to come after that cool voice, uh, the music that you just heard, and uh, then come and speak the Word of God. So, hey, you know, our guy who's doing all our audio stuff is, uh, you know, there's a spot there if you want a job. I think there's a job <laughs> He's a volunteer. Uh, thank you. Well, hey, if you're new to our church, uh, <laughs> welcome. Um, my name is Finney Abraham, I'm one of the pastors here. I get to lead all our efforts outside the walls of a church uh, here in Santa Clara County. Um, as we just saw in that video, I'm just so grateful and thankful to each one of you for partnering through Loud and through other ways, through your time and through your efforts uh, to take uh, the gospel outside the walls of this church and bless our community locally and uh, globally. Um, If you are new again, uh, this is uh, one of the most interesting times to be in church where we actually talk about uh, our DNA in being on mission um, 24-7 throughout the year. Uh, That is our calling, is to love our neighbors uh, the way Jesus has asked us to do. And for the next three weeks, uh, we'll be focusing on that. Our global compassion pastor, uh, Kayvon, will be speaking next week. And as usual, as every year, uh, Steve will be leading on uh, mission uh, specifically a missionary around the world, and I'll be teaching from it. All of this is to, again, give a heart of missions for each one of us in this community and know that what we know is not just an intellectual thing for a community here who come to our church or through join us through online. It is actually for others to know uh, the love of Jesus in, in many ways. <clears throat> um, I wanted us to uh, start today uh, by sharing a story uh, that I got to have an interaction with uh, with a local uh, government official, and uh, then lead us uh, th- in this understanding of what does it mean to be uh, public with our faith. <clears throat> uh, so last year, uh, after COVID, we were uh, trying to work on some new ways on what the government wanted to do, local government wanted to do in terms of uh, helping folks who are homeless. And in my conversation there, there were two, three people. Um, I got to introduce myself as a pastor at Westgate Church. And uh, one of the guys there, um, he, he made a comment, and he said, oh, my gosh, you know, when I become a Christian, that's the church I want to go to. So I'm an Indian guy. I don't get American sarcasm well. So, so I thought he's, he's trying to be funny. So I asked him, oh, share your story. Um, with A little bit trembling because I was like, if it is not a good story, it's not to be good in this, this group of people. But he said over 10 years ago... Um, when Westgate Church decided to go for a walk. It was the AIDS walk. It was to grieve awareness about AIDS. And he was very impressed. And there's something that was really different about it that he still remembers. And he said he talked to one of the people who was walking with him. Majority of the people was from the church for that walk. And um, uh, he said he remembered this man telling him, but well, uh, he believed that if Jesus was here in, during that time, he would do the same thing too. That's it, just a sentence. And that left a major mark in this man's life. It was simple, it was honest, and in many ways it was a very truthful expression of what does it mean to be public with your faith. You know, it is a great major challenge for all of us especially as we live in a pluralistic uh, society like where we are here in the Bay Area, to lead our lives in a way that can, we can be public with our faith. In many times, if you be public with your faith, uh, you know, in the times that we live in, uh, you can be, you know, canceled or ostracized or all kinds of stuff that could happen to you, folks in, in your workplace. But what does the Scripture have to say about it? What does the Scripture have to say about How can we live our faith publicly? I believe that the scripture teaches us that our faith is not a private matter. It needs to be lived out publicly. But how can we do that in a way that would honor the the scripture, that would honor God and bring glory to God uh, as we live uh, in this community? So that's what I want to look at. Let me pray for us uh, before uh, we dive deep into this. Heavenly Father, God, thank you. Uh, for your grace, and thank you for giving us an opportunity to partner with you uh, in this journey uh, of uh, your redemption story in this world, O oh Lord. God, I pray that you would uh, give us concentration as we look deep into the scripture. You would convict our hearts today, and God, that we will lead a life that will bring glory to you locally and globally. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, there are many uh, places we could go uh, in the Scripture uh, to get uh, some patterns and examples about what does it mean to be public with our faith. But I want us to focus today on a very well-known passage, John uh, chapter 4. It is the story of Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan women. And I want to focus basically on verses 27 through 29. But before reading that, let me give you a little bit of context on what the story is and and, and where Jesus uh, is, uh, you know, leading His disciples and also having this conversation with the Samaritan woman. Jesus is on His way from uh, Judea to Galilee, Um, and uh, He he went uh, to Jerusalem for the Passover from Galilee. So, uh, He was there talking to people, communicating. He's a rabbi that is getting a lot of attention, and He's speaking to uh, some of the well-known rabbis and and people who are academically, you know, up there with their Jewish training like Nicodemus and others, and he's getting a following. People are starting to follow him. It is a practice of that time where people would follow rabbis who are, who are uh, articulate and who are communicating things well, and, and Jesus is starting to have a following. And the Pharisees noticed this, and, and, and we're not too happy about it, and Jesus understood that, and He wanted to live uh, from Jerusalem back to Galilee. And on His way, He stops at a small city called Sikar, which was in Samaria. Now, that is important to understand the place, Samaria. This is not a place usually, uh, especially Jewish people, would take this route. They would want to ignore the city of Samaria because it has a lot of history. It has background. It, It is a place that they actually thought people there were sinful. In many ways, there were ethnic tensions and all other kinds of tensions that was there. In fact, they thought that they would defile them in the way they worship their God. But Jesus decides to stop in this small city. And uh, obviously, Jesus being God, knowing what the future will be, he is on his way to have a conversation with Samaritan women. Now, this is a spot where I believe rabbis would not want to hang out. This is a place where if you have a followers, you don't want to be seen. But Jesus goes there. And His disciples, in fact, are, are confused. But they, they live Him there. They go out to the city to get some food. And there comes um, a Samaritan woman in the middle of the day, in noon. That, that, that means something because she does not want to come at the cool of day because she is ashamed about all the things that has happened in her life. And she comes, and uh, she takes, uh, you know, tries to get some water from the well, and Jesus has this conversation. Even the Samaritan woman is surprised that Jesus is talking to her, that she asks, you are a Jewish person, how can you talk to a person like me? But Jesus has this this long conversation with the Samaritan woman, and towards the end of it, Jesus reveals himself to her. Jesus says, ego amy, which is the word for I am he, Just again, it says, I am God. I am the Messiah. Just by that time, the disciples come back. And that's where we'll be reading in verse 27. Let me read for you verse 27. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with the woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything ever I did. Could this be the Messiah? Let me read that one more time. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? This one verse has pretty much everything I believe in what does it mean to lead our lives in a way that we can uh, publicly acknowledge our faith. So, I want to stress uh, a little bit time on on this verse and and see what we can learn and some patterns from what we can learn from this particular verse. Notice this. It says, um, you know, first thing it says is, come see. It's very simple when you really think about it, uh, that to be public with our faith is not as complex as we think and we actually tend to make. The first thing the Samaritan woman had to say here is, come see. It is an invitation. It is an open invitation. Being public with your faith is basically being, taking an open invitation to something. Now, here's the most important thing. Usually when we say we give this open invitation to a church or to a gathering or to other places because that's what we do, and sometimes it's uncomfortable. And thank you for all of you who have done that, maybe who have brought someone here today, and I believe that you're here Uh, To hear this word, um, you know, from the Scripture, and and, and God would visit you. But this is what is happening. She's telling, come see, giving an open invitation. To what? A man who told me everything I ever did. The invitation is simply to the person of Jesus Christ. Many times you think about, you know, being public with your faith. We think about all kinds of things, the theology and rituals and everything that comes around it. The, the root, the foundation of the gospel is the person of Jesus Christ. It is about God who became man. Our invitation is to the story of a person. Our invitation is to the story of Jesus who was born and lived and ministered and died and resurrected. That's the gospel. Our invitation is for folks to come and get to know the life of Jesus Christ. Her testimony was centered in the person of Jesus Christ. And finally, what she did, she said, could this be the Messiah? It is actually a very open invitation to come to a journey. She didn't say, come and see a man who knows all about me. He is the Messiah. She said, could this be the Messiah? It is an open, welcoming invitation to a journey. That is what pretty much if you read the entire scripture that you would see. And you and I, our calling is not to make those big statements as we see, pretty much that we see in social media and other places where folks are just Sometimes or many, many times that I've seen angry about some of these things. And as far as I know, I don't know even one person who has come to Jesus because you have angrily said something. It is by the grace and the love of God and an invitation to a journey to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. In many ways, if you look at it uh, towards the end of uh, uh, this chapter in verses 42 Uh, Later, people start talking about this. They say, they said to the women, those people who heard this story, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this indeed is the savior of the world. It starts with this invitation and God takes people through this journey and help them to understand this. Let me give you a challenge today that in many ways, you know, in your workplace, in your family, maybe in your church, in other places that you know, there are folks out there who need to hear the truth of the gospel, and you've been wondering how could you share this. I believe that this gives us a pattern on how we can tell this most effectively in 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 a kind and compassionate way, but truly honoring the Scripture and what God has to say, to invite people to a journey. You know, if you are thinking about this, you know, we have um, Discover the Bible, uh, Alpha program that we actually do here, basically giving folks an opportunity to question. You might have heard about this. This is a place where folks who are skeptical can come and ask questions. Not that we may not have answers for everything. Uh, For most of it, I hope we have answers, but not for everything. But we are inviting folks to a journey, and I believe that is how we can be public with our faith in this community um, as we live out Jesus. Few thoughts on how we can do this effectively in Silicon Valley. Look at uh, you know I just want to spend some time on on the state of the Samaritan woman. She comes to Jesus in a desperate time, and and she wants he's, he's having this conversation with her, but. As we know her story, we know that she is in a crisis and a quest. She is in a crisis because she knows that, you know, all the things that has happened in her life, but she has not given up. She is in a quest to understand what the truth is. And Jesus speaks to her and reveals to her the truth of who He is. know, if you read uh, the passage uh, from John 1 onwards, you'll see this is the first person that Jesus has revealed himself to. It was not to the scholarly Jewish rabbis. It was not to his own disciples, even at that time. Jesus revealed to a Samaritan woman who was in a crisis and a quest about who he was that he was the Messiah of the world. You know, what I want to give you a challenge is to keep an eye out, to look out for folks in your life, in your workplace in the context that you are in, are folks who are in crisis and, in, and a quest. And I believe those are the folks who would hear, they need to hear the hopeful message of the gospel. And, and if you're able to tell that in a way, in a compassionate way, in a compelling way, in a simple way, being just honest about yourself, being public with your faith is not to scream this loud, but to be honest about what Jesus has done for you and to invite people to that journey. You know, when you look at it, our, our society, I believe, our community is in a crisis and a quest. Many things that we think about in our society are, you know, up for grabs. There is no more anchor to many of the truths that we look to. Folks are looking for truth, not just folks who want to go to church or be a Christian. Everybody is trying to understand what truth is. A few weeks ago, I had an amazing opportunity to be part of uh, uh, a school district here that we work very closely with, to be part of their next five-year vision plan, which itself is pretty amazing to me that they would invite a church pastor to be part of the five-year vision plan of a public school here. We are very grateful, and I thank you for that. All the school impact reps who have consistently worked for over 10 years, this is the fruit of that. And I got to be part of this, and I was having this conversation. It was a four-hour conversation about where our education system is moving to. And we obviously you know, started talking about the challenges of artificial intelligence. Everyone started talking about chat GPT and things like that. Looks like some of you know what that is. Um, and uh, in the midst of it, they started asking, you know, how, what, what does education look as we move forward with this? How do we grade students? How do we understand who is learning? And after almost 30 minutes of conversation, uh, one of the leaders there, students said that, you know, what we need here is for students to have honesty, integrity, and truth. It was not, let's figure out high school preparation and college preparation. While all of that is important, they've come back to asking, how can we instill honesty, integrity, and truth? And obviously, the room looked to me thinking that I have some answer. (laughs) I don't, but what I see is this. We have a great opportunity. A church has a great opportunity. Christians have a great opportunity. The society, the community is is in a crisis and a quest. And we have an opportunity to gently, with compassionate uh, way and with kindness, communicate the gospel and the truth to people. Would you prayerfully consider and ask, God, who is are those people who are in a crisis and a quest in my uh, community, in my circle, uh, and in my sphere of influence that you could be public with your faith? Number two, if you look at Jesus, uh, the way He communicated this is, is very important. Um, he had the right posture and truth in communicating uh, this to the Samaritan women. Jesus met uh, with people who were in crisis and in a quest. But the beautiful part of this is the way in which Jesus communicates this the most effectively. You know, in verse 27, if you look, um, when the disciples came to this conversation that Jesus and the Samaritan women is having, they were actually had an attitude, a condemning attitude, a judgmental attitude. And they asked, they were thinking of asking the question, why is this rabbi speaking to this woman? We're following this guy. He's, he's new. He's not really well known at that time. But but this is going to be difficult if he's going to do this kind of stuff. And they had this attitude of judgment. And if you notice this, there's this little detail there that says the, the woman, she, she threw away her jar and ran away. And there are many scholars have said many things about it. But one of the things that is important to notice there is that When Jesus was talking to her, she did not run away, she stayed and talked to him as much as difficult it was. But when it came to the disciples, she threw her jar away and ran away. There is something about having the right posture to tell the truth. And Jesus's posture was that of compassion and kindness and generosity and acceptance. That was Jesus's posture. And if you have those godly posture, I believe that you will have an opportunity to speak the truth with love so that people would understand the truth and the joy of knowing who the God that we serve is. You know, in many ways, that is what we try to do here at Westgate. All our efforts outside the walls of our church, everything, it is to have, it is the platform where we can have the right posture to speak the truth. Nothing that we do here, especially outside the walls of our church, nothing that we do here is to gain salvation. We believe that Jesus has already given us salvation through grace. We don't do this out there so that we can impress God. Nothing that we do here is because we are good tax-paying citizens, because that's what we should do. Like Like most of you, tax season is coming soon. For some reason it came to my mind. You know, it is not because of that. And if if that is the case, you know, others are doing it really well. You you, you know, there's there's big companies here, Google and Apple and others, giving millions of dollars of of extended way of, of, of serving our community. That is not why we do what we do. The reason we are out there and serving is because this is the primary method of evangelism by showing God's love to people through our actions. This is why we go out there and serve. This is why we are in schools. This is why we are serving our city so that we can show Jesus' love through our action. This is the platform that we use so that we can have the right posture, so that we can train this posture of kindness and generosity and wait for a moment to speak the truth to folks that God is drawing close and that is the work that we get to do with our mission partners here. You just heard about uh, Danny Sanchez with City Peace Project, a fantastic ministry here. We are so thankful that we get to partner with him in this community. In, uh, two week, uh, almost a week ago for the inauguration of our new mayor, uh, there was a stat that was said. Uh, about 5% of the, of the folks uh, who are being arrested for crime are the ones who, who create the most important, you know, Uh, difficult things in our city, almost 100% of of the issues, and they get arrested and re-arrested and re-arrested again and again. About 27 times one person was arrested in this last six months. Guess what? The work that City Peace Project is doing, the work that our partners are doing is to change their minds that law enforcement cannot do. They can do up to a level to keep everyone safe, but hearts can be changed only by Jesus And we get to be a part of it here in our community. So would you join the work of our church or in other places that you may be to embody this posture of kindness and generosity so that God's name will be glorified and you can speak the truth in love. And finally, do not underestimate the value of your story. The Samaritan woman was honest and transparent with her story. We may not have a powerful story like the Samaritan woman. You may not have a story like St. Paul that we read in the Bible or like some of our pastors or, or anyone else, but all of you have a story. If you are a follower of Jesus, all of you have a story. One of the amazing things I love about my pastoral duties here is when folks become members of our church, we get to hear this story. I have helped folks to write down their stories. It is a powerful thing to... Remember and sit there and write down why did you follow Jesus Christ and how did God pursue you so that you can be prepared to be brief and communicate in a way the truth of what God has done in your life to people who may need to hear that. A few months ago, I heard uh, from one of our pastors a a story that he heard from uh, one of you here at our church, a very powerful story about how they got to know Jesus. In a, in a crisis and a quest, this person uh, was thinking about taking off his life uh, from a bridge. And um, as he looked down, there was, there was a homeless person who was there who said he doesn't have to do it because God's, God loves him. And that one word changed this man again to follow Jesus. And he's here serving God and following Christ. You know, it is those simple words. Many times we could judge and think a lot of things about that homeless person, but God knows how many people that man might have impacted through one word. And it can be brief. Towards the end of this chapter in verse 39, you see this. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the women's testimony. And this was her testimony, brief. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, that's Jesus, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed three, uh, there two days. And because of his word, many more people believed. Folks, you can be public with your faith, and it is not as complicated as many people would make it. It is not what you see in social media. You don't have to go there and, you know, have a bullhorn and just be loud about all of this stuff. What you can do is to know what Jesus has done to you. You can be public with your faith if you're honest about what the person of Jesus Christ has done personally to you and how you can kindly and and in a compassionate way communicate that to others. Before I end, let me open this invitation to probably two group of people who are here. If you are a newcomer, as our lead pastor always says, uh, thank you for being here. We're thrilled that you're here. And I know that it may not be easy for you to be around a lot of people who believe differently like you behave and, 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 and take decisions different than you. But if you are here today, I believe that our God does not have any accidents, that you are here because of God's will. And if you are here today, I also believe that you probably are also in a quest. So let me extend this invitation to you today. The same Jesus 2,000 years ago who impacted the life of the Samaritan woman. The same Jesus who impacted my life almost 15 years ago. The same Jesus who gave me the ability, a person who is very introverted, to stand in front of you all and to be a follower of Jesus in a city like San Jose, he's still present, he's still real, come and get to know him. He could be the God that you're searching. He could be the answer for the problems of your life. Would you make a step to submit to him? You may not have all the answers, but give your life to him today. It has eternal consequences. And for those who are followers of Jesus who are here, and those who are giving your time and your efforts and your talent uh, for our city here, let me extend this invitation to you as well. Do not keep your faith as a a private matter. It is not a private thing. You know, while we were praying, I heard uh, Mark making this prayer, a very powerful prayer. He said, salvation came to me as it was on the way to someone else. Jesus has found you. God has found you so that someone else can hear the story and the love of Jesus. And you are that platform. Would you prayerfully consider, God, open my eyes to see the crisis and the quest of people and community in in the city that we live in. Give me a posture if I don't have the right posture so that your truth could be communicated effectively and God's name will be glorified. So would you make that prayer today because I believe as a church there's so much more to be done for our city that is hurting out there and God can use you and your stories for that. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, creator of all things, God we thank you for this amazing grace and the truth that you have given us. We thank you for Jesus, for his life, for his ministry, for his birth, and for his death and resurrection. The hope that you have given us, the peace that is beyond all understanding that we experience through Jesus. God, we pray for folks who are making that prayer here today to submit their life to you. I pray that would you visit them Lord today now we pray for others who are making that step to open their eyes to see the crisis and quest in our community God I pray that you would help us to communicate your truth the most honest way in our community help us to have that posture to act justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God so that we can speak the truth to everyone in Santa Clara County and around the world. We thank you, we praise you, pray and ask all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one true God. Amen.